Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. This week, I'm sitting down with Reverend Robin King in the Basha United Church, and we're going to talk about uh, a story that we're all familiar with because it is each of our own story, and that is the story of the longest season of Lent in history because of this pandemic that we've been in over the last 12 months now. Uh, so, Robin, welcome back on the show. It's good hey, to sit with you over a cup of coffee again. It's been a few weeks. We've, we're, we're doing this new alternating schedule of uh, having, uh, you know, the two of us and then uh, back and forth with an episode with a guest. So two weeks ago, our episode was um, with David Hayward, the Naked Pastor, and that was a fantastic conversation. Uh, and I think people really enjoyed it. And so a shout out to David. Thanks for coming on the show last time. And now we're back to back to you, Robin. So it's good to be back. Thanks. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about, we're, we're still in this season of Lent. I know last the last time you and I sat down for an episode four weeks ago, we were just starting the Lent season. And we talked about some of the different practices and traditions and different ways that people add meaning or find meaning in their Lent journey. I know you've been sharing uh, a photo a day during the season of Lent, and I've been trying to follow that. I haven't been doing it every day, but yours have been very thoughtful and uh, some really great pictures that you've shared. Um, and so th- we were, were kind of nearing the end of this 40-day season. I, I appreciate you saying that because honestly, like I don't know people who do, I know somebody who does um, a gratitude post a day, and I think they're on 300 and something. And uh, I, I don't know how they do that. I honestly don't. I mean, obviously, I know how they do that. I just don't know how they do that. Because um, I found that with the photo thing, even this is day 26, 27, something like, somewhere in the 20s. Yeah. Um, and uh, every day, honestly, I've struggled every day. Uh, I didn't determine the words either, by the way. We borrowed that from yeah. somebody, um, which is I, which is way better. It would have been way easier if I'd picked the words and then, because right. I would already had an idea what I was going to do with that, right? Um, but but um, I've, I've struggled every day to come up with something. Um, and But that, of course, is the point, right? Is, is uh, and, and frankly, some it days I've kind think. of thought, nobody's going to get this. Only I'm going to get this image. Mm. Um, but, but the point is, first of all, I put some thought into it and that, mm-hmm. that's the point of the exercise right is to take a, some time to to think about it um and and hopefully the image that i put out there with its meaning for me will have a completely different meaning for somebody else there were a couple in particular where in fact um judging by some of the comments um people uh saw the picture that i used in almost the opposite way to what hmm. I did, um, because they didn't know the story, the personal story behind right. it, and and that's the great thing about doing something like that is that it can be uh, not just uh, very thought provoking and and you know force basically force you to take the time to think about it each day, um, but also it's a very personal exercise uh, for Lent that you can share with others who can find their own personal way into it. Mm-hmm. Right. I think making, using social media to share it publicly isn't even an, a necessary, like it's not a necessary part of doing no. that. You could no, no, just you could as easily yourself, yeah. just do it at a quiet moment yeah. of reflection and look yeah. through some pictures. It doesn't yeah. even have to involve pictures, but I think that the idea of that posting or sharing of it, 
Uh, well, it's kind of like you said, the, the 365 days of gratitude. Jackie did, uh, did the same thing a year or so ago. Um, and we had a whole episode of this podcast about her experience of sharing those. Um, so yeah, if anyone hasn't heard that, you better go back and look up Jackie's episode on Six Ways from Sunday. She had a great experience with that. And I think she found that by, there was, there's this sort of external accountability to, there's the expectation. I've said, I'm going to do this. People are, people are are watching and they're looking, they're, they're seeing me do this every day. I got to keep going with it. Yeah. It's tricky being intentional. It's tricky because you think, you think you should have no problem doing this by yourself. Um, but then you've, of course you discover that yes, you do. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's great for it to be not just a personal thing, but a community thing because the community, whether that support is you can do it or where is it? Um, it's nonetheless there, right? Yeah. Um, and so whether it's support or expectation, um, it's still helping to, uh, helping you to, uh, be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, we can, we can adapt that to a lot of things, Yeah. <laughs> right? Sure. I mean, look at people who do, um, um, the people who make new year's resolutions that, that you know, like I should have about, you know, I'm going to get some exercise and lose 50 pounds. Or more, um, and and you know, two days into the new year, no, it's gone. Forget that. But the people who get who tend to succeed at stuff like that are the ones who do it with a group, right? Or at mm-hmm. least at least connect with a group so that they can both inspire each other and, yes, in a good way, pressure each other a little bit, right? So, um, and, and same same with all, there's so many ways in which that sort of community versus personal aspect is so important. Lent is one of those things, right? Um, it's it's a time. It's uh, we talked about this a, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, it's a time that you know, for personal reflection and self-examination. Um, but it is really super helpful if you can do that in the context of a community, right? Mm. And because, not just because the community helps you, but also because so much of what we're about and who we are is about how we connect with community, which is why, like this year, our, our theme, we tend to have a theme for Lent. Um, this year, um, the theme was covenants because it just so happened that all of the Hebrew scripture passages uh, through Lent this year happened to include um, covenants, and and so that became our theme uh, for uh, for Lent. But but again, covenants are an interesting thing because they are both very personal and very communal mm-hmm. because they're not just about they are. Definitely, there's a part that's about who you are as a person and what you bring to things. But then the point is that in a covenant, you create something new by bringing what you bring, right? Mm-hmm. And so, with and and sharing that with others, everyone does that. You put that, and then you create this new thing. Um, and that's why that's why churches love covenants and love to talk about covenant, is because the whole idea of being a community of faith um, and and belonging is that you bring who you are, not just because you fit in, but because you have something to offer that helps change the dynamic mm. of the group, right? It's so much more than just, uh, I think I used to think that covenant was almost synonymous with like contract or a promise, yeah, yeah, right? Like this, there's this thing that's this binding law or binding contract that's, you're, you're bound to this covenant, 
but it's bigger than that. It's from everything you're just saying now, what I'm hearing is that it's almost, it has built into it this like aspect of bond, of connection, of relationship that is way bigger than just, uh, we expect this of you, or this is the law, this is the rule, this is the contract that you've signed and you're held to it. Oh, it's so interesting that you start talking about that. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. Honestly, it is because um, this week, this week, the covenant we're talking about is the uh, passage from Jeremiah, um, the new covenant um, that I will write. I will write on your heart, right? And the we started uh, way back. We started with Noah, um, the Ten Commandments, right? Laws carved in stone, except they're not. Um, but, oh, your sermon on that was fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Um, but but the thing the thing about uh, the thing about all of these covenants is that first of all they they it's not a question of they one supersedes the other we grow through them right it's that that thing about you know this one of the one of the, sorry I'm getting slightly sidetracked here but I'm coming back don't <laughs> worry um, one of the one of the things that yeah, I I honestly I've worked for the church for a long time. I'm going to say I worked for the church for a long time, but I've been part of a faith community even longer, obviously. Um, and one of the things that we so often run to, into in churches is when you want to do something new, you are clearly implying that the old thing is bad. No. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not implying that at all. Um, in fact, the new couldn't happen if we didn't have the old right? It's built on top of it. And so when people start talking about the new covenant, particularly, it's the same like New Testament, Old Testament. So the New Testament is obviously the new improved version of the old. Nope. Nope. That's not how it works. (laughs) Um, We build on things, right? Mm. Uh, So in many ways, all of the covenants of of Hebrew scripture, they're foundational. They are foundational. and, and as Christians, we understand that new covenant from Jeremiah um, that will be written on our hearts. We, we understand that as being Jesus. But in Hebrew scripture, um, it's simply a question of it's, it's about hope. Um, and and we, we, we all need that. So coming right back, <laughs> um, it, the, uh, the, the, thing about, the thing about doing covenants, uh, having a theme like covenants during Lent, is that it's very much like Lent itself. It's not just a personal time. It's a personal time to examine relationship. And you don't do relationship by yourself. You can't, like, relationship requires others, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and how we, so it's, it's, a, it's about how we relate to others and to God. Right? And so when we start talking about covenant in the church, we love saying covenant because covenant means um, that we together create a new thing, which is for everyone. Right? So the classic example in churches, uh, at least in the United Church, is that we covenant with a minister. Right? So the congregation, the minister, and the governance, the next level of governance in the church covenants to create a ministry. That's the point, right? Mm-hmm. And so we each put in who we are and, and how we are, and we create this new thing. That's the goal. Um, and, and that's the thing about covenants in the Bible is that we put in who we are, God puts in God, and we create a new thing, hmm. right? Which is 
life. I was just going to say, what is that thing that's created? I guess it's the life that you live. It, well, it, 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 there are various ways. I think there are various ways to describe that in in various contexts. But um, it, heaven, heaven, and right. Jesus famously uh, is always saying, "Heaven is near," right, mm -hmm. or here, and that's why is that that's what we're building. The kingdom of God is at the hand. The kingdom of God here. Yeah. Right. Um, and in order to do that, we need to be able to access. Um, the the love and the, the divine and earthly spirit that is in us and and live that out right that's the ah oh, man I don't need to do any sermons for the next five or six weeks I guess because that covers all of it right there um, but but that's that's the goal of the covenant is to create this new community right um, and and the thing about Lent too and that's why that's why that's why the longest Lent in history right the pandemic has been. We always talk about Lent as being, you know, giving up stuff. It's uh, a shadow time. It's a uh, time for self-examination. It's time for um, you know, to find some time in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And and it's felt like that since literally since last Lent, right? Because it's been just over a year now. Yeah. Um, and and so we've been we've been kind of doing that for just over a year now. It's kind of crazy that the timing worked out that everything shut down just as we were entering the season of Lent last yeah. year. So we, we started off this Lent season, and I remember a year ago on this podcast, and I'm sure you talked about it in your sermons too, on the podcast we talked about how, well, this is going to be an interesting season of Lent because we're going to have a few weeks here of, yeah, so much for that. Uh, you know, we, we thought we would have the kids home from school for... Two weeks in Alberta was the original. Yeah, I suppose that's that's the key difference between this and Lent, right? Is that you know Lent is a specific time frame, and then you're done. And we thought this would be too. Yeah, at first. And and but but the thing is, first of all, it's great that Lent is a specific time frame, and then you're done. Except, much like things like say Easter and Christmas and other major festivals that we celebrate for one day and then it's over. It, the point is it's not. It's like your birthday, right? Mm. We have an annual recognition of it in order to remind us that every day is a day to celebrate that you're alive. Mm. Mm -hmm. right? The same thing is true of Christmas. The same thing. In fact, routinely, ministers, me included, will tell you that at Easter and Christmas. Every day is Christmas Day. Every day, day is, is a Easter day of morning. resurrection, yeah. right? Um, it, the, the dawn reminds us that every day... Spring reminds us of new life. The, the seasons, everything is geared to this constant reminder of of life. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the milestones are, are very helpful for that, and you're right. And Even, so we're, we're just hitting this milestone now of that one-year mark of the pandemic. Yeah. And, and it's, even, there's even significance death, to that. Even, even, and this thing about Good Friday too, right, is the thing about Good Friday is that um, we know what happens next. Right? Uh, famously, um, uh, S.M. Lockridge, um, there's great recordings of this. And in fact, um, uh, I've, we've, we've used little videos that, that have somebody reading this sermon, that part of a sermon that he wrote in which he constantly uses the refrain, they didn't know Sunday's coming. Oh, yeah. I right? That. And that's the thing about Good Friday is, no, they didn't know Sunday's coming. But we do. And... And if we, if we believe in resurrection, if we believe in the Easter story, if we believe in new life, we know 
that death is part of life, not the end, right? It's, it's, it's part of life. Um, and, and, uh, that's, that's kind of part of this, this whole thing about, well, you just said, you just, uh, uh, longest Lent in history, right? Yeah. Unless you're somebody who isn't a church goer and has no idea what Lent is, <laughs> right? So let's, you want to use a different language around that? Okay, let's use different language around that. But we're going to be talking about the same thing, which is also sidebar, something that we should all always be aware of is quite often we're talking about the same thing and what we're fighting over is the language that we're using. But, but the thing is, um, we've had a year um, of the kind of, potentially the kind of wilderness experience, the kind of self-examination time, the kind of alone time, the kind of this is so different because I can't this or I have to find a new way to do that. We've had a whole year of that and it's not over yet, right? It's definitely not over yet. Even if you are somebody who thinks it's all a hoax and it's just the government trying to control you um, because there's a secret cabal of, you know, people, very rich people who are, you know, who eat babies and, you know, sacrifice goats at dawn and the, all of that kind of QAnon crap, even if you are somebody who's into that, you still can't get away from the fact that the majority of the world is aware that something different is going on. You, you just can't. Um, and so it, it, it's, it's a universal thing. Um, maybe Lent isn't universally known, but surely to God, the experience of it has been for the last year. Um, the, the question though is, what do you, what do you do with it? Right, and so so there are certainly people, uh, lots of lots of church people who will go. Well, it's Lent, but you know I don't really, you know I don't really do anything. There's lots of church people who go. Well, it's Lent, and I do this. I'm going to give up coffee or chocolate. They have a, a tradition that they. There's a tradition that yeah. you hold to, and then there's lots of people who go. It's Lent. What shall I do with this? How shall I think about this? What shall I? Be? And they you know really kind of get into it, um, and and. Uh, uh, then, of course, there's people who don't have any recognition of it whatsoever. Okay, fine, except we have all universally had this experience that something about the world's different the last year. And we've had the experience of people suddenly suddenly talking about um, who's essential and realizing that maybe there's lots of people who are essential to how the universe works and how our little piece of it runs that we didn't notice before. Mm -hmm. um, we, we might have thought, oh, it's obviously those people, but now we're suddenly realizing, well, actually, even those people can't do their job if these people don't this. And we're finding out that, in fact, we're all essential and and we're, we're recognizing it, right? We're recognizing... Um, people, we're suddenly noticing people uh, who live next door that we don't really talk to. And now we are because we're checking in to make sure they're okay. Mm -hmm. Right? We're, we're suddenly paying more attention to, we're suddenly paying more attention to how uh, elderly people in seniors' homes are treated. We're suddenly paying more attention to uh, how we interact with each other in a public place. Yeah. Right, even yeah. um, uh, we're we're suddenly paying attention to things. The question is whether or not that's going to last Beyond. when 
when, when we move into the next stage of life post pandemic, yeah. I'm trying to think of a way of saying that, that avoids having to say either when it's over right. or uh, when we get back to normal, because <laughs> yeah. it isn't going to be normal. Yeah. Um, because what the heck is normal anyway? It sure wasn't working for us before. Um, it, you know, that's the thing is that that's how people are talking. And, and, uh, I hope, I hope that we do, um, learn and make some changes. That's kind of the point of Lent. Everything you just described, it sounds like you're describing a Lent yeah, season. That's the point. There's no point in, in even... Uh, there's no point in uh, celebrating Lent isn't the right word because it's not a celebration, really. Um, it's observing, uh, observing, observing, experiencing um, any of those kind of words. There's no point in observing Lent if at the end of it you go, well, that's over. Thank goodness. Let's move on. The point is to learn something you can carry forward. Yeah. Right. That you can you can move forward with. I was just actually, um, you know, I, I we, we do a. Uh, last year we did this Holy Week kit where we created a little package that we could deliver to people um, so that they would be able to look at the story each day, right? That that daily, it's the one time in the church year where um, there's a piece of the story every day that goes chronologically, right? And so we, we created a little thing where they could look at this piece of the story each day and, 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 uh, uh, I was just working on the one for this year. We're going to do a similar kind of thing. It's very different. Um, and ho hopefully uh, just as meaningful for people. But um, I, I was just uh, looking at the piece for Good Friday. And one of the things that's so interesting, we're, we're using the story from Mark this year. And what, one of the things that's so interesting about the story of Good Friday and Holy Saturday is um, the last time Jesus is with the disciples is the last in the garden, right? When he's arrested. The story of the Last Supper, Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is arrested. The only piece time after that we hear one of the disciples mentioned is that Peter denies him three times, right? That's how the story goes. And then we don't hear about the disciples again until after the resurrection. Mm. I'll just say that again, after the resurrection. But who's there the whole time? The women follow Jesus. They're there at the crucifixion. They're there when he's put in the tomb. They're there waiting and come back Sunday morning because Saturday is the Sabbath. They're the first ones at the tomb. They're the first to find him missing and to f the first to see him alive. They're the first to and only to experience, uh, to experience the welcome of Jesus on Palm Sunday see him tried and beaten and die and put in a tomb and then arrive at a tomb that's empty. In other words, they, their experience of the resurrection is rooted in the fact that they saw him die. The disciples didn't. Right? Presumably they were hiding somewhere. I never thought about that part of it. I, I've always thought that this, I guess I assumed that the story was that they all witnessed there's no acknowledgement death. there's no acknowledgement of the men the disciples being there oh really yeah on for either the trial or at the crucifixion um or a uh, sunday morning uh the resurrection until until the women go and uh go and tell them right right um and and 
Uh, and, and so their experience of the resurrection is being told, just like us. Right. The women's experience, Secondhand. presumably then, is they saw him die, and now the tomb's empty. They saw him put in there. They saw the stone in Mark. They saw the stone rolled across, right? And Sunday morning, he's not there. Speaking of that, um, so our last episode was with uh, David Hayward, the naked pastor. And he has a great cartoon about that, that I'm sure you've seen, where it's in his cartoon that he drew, it's the women, and then the disciples are there. And the disciples are saying to the women, Thank you for witnessing yeah. the resurrection. We'll take it from here. We'll take, yeah, <laughs> it, that's a. I love his stuff. I have, uh, in fact, one of my pictures uh, for Lent, um, and the picture a day thing was one of his one of his cartoons. I love his. I love his his art. If you, ever, if you ever get a chance to look at some of his art as well, uh, it's oh man, it's uh, you can easily you can get lost in it. It's it's very uh, uh, it's very deep. Um, and, and I, th- I think, um, I, I just love his, his, such a great way of expressing things, um, in, and, uh, actually, in fact, I think he actually said this in his, uh, podcast with you is, is it basically he, he has this ability to create the picture like the, like in a second you can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than have to talk about it for half an hour. Right. And it um, might, it'll get you thinking. Yeah. And, and that's, and you that's, could talk that's, about it that's for half such an hour. a gift. That's such it a really gift. It really is. Yeah. So, so, um, I, I, that's the thing is that as we go forward from, uh, where we're at now and, and having had this experience of the longest Lent in history, um, I, ho- I hope that, I hope that we take forward some of the things we've learned. I hope we don't kind of find ourselves getting out of the pandemic and going, well, thank goodness that's over. Let's move on. Because you can't, you're going to carry that stuff. Yeah. Um, and if what we can live out is what we're carrying forward that uh, is meaningful that we've learned um, about um, compassion for our neighbors, about mm. recognizing that th- everyone Everyone has value, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, that that maybe that maybe the manner in which we judge people, and particularly in terms of their value to things, that we should maybe have a look at that and mm-hmm. and and reconsider that, and n- not just reconsider it, but but uh, trying to understand it um, and address it, right? And find a way to to uh, see the. Um, the sort of inherent value of everybody. I, th- I think that in general, when you look at history, there's these moments that are big enough events, ev- events that are big enough that they permanently, they cause permanent change, right? So in our lifetimes, I think of uh, something like 9-11 and how mm-hmm. after the 9-11 attacks, there were these uh, system-wide uh, and societal uh, changes that were permanent and, and never were, um, like for, for example, airport security. Airport security was overnight transformed after 9-11, and, and it never went back to the way it was before. It was a permanent change that we were left with um, from that one event. And I'm sure that if you go back to like some of the big wars, like World War II and others, uh, the Cold War, that, that, that they caused permanent changes or... Yeah. Um, you know the civil rights movement. There was there was particular events that were so big that they were permanently etched 
in our collective memory and sure. society was never the same again. But at the same time, and, and, we'll, and we'll no doubt have an abundance of examples of those from, from COVID-19, but at the same time, on an individual level, it's not guaranteed to, to happen the same way. We, we will have these permanent changes that affect everyone in terms of different laws or different rules or different structures. You know, maybe we'll have to have um, a vaccination passport when we travel internationally in the future. Who knows what we might be left with in terms of things that shift our public uh, life or like our society and our international relations and our economy and all, yeah. all sorts of things. But, but on an individual human level, you, it is possible that you can just, you can kind of hunker down and put your head down and, you know, maybe binge Netflix a little more than usual or drink a little more alcohol than you maybe did and kind of get through it and come out on the other side and think, no, I'm not changing anything. The, the, the process of individual transformation is not the same. I think it, it, it involves and requires that intentionality, like we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, it requires intention, and it also requires that you put in the work. You have to do it, the work. Yeah, it also requires assessment. <clears throat> one of the things, one of the things about <clears throat> presuming. So, okay, so here's here's how I see land. I see it as a time of reflection and and um, a time to work on some things and time to work on your relationship with with yourself, with God, with with others. I. I I, I see that and and to to uh, take some steps to do that. But I also see that there needs to be an opportunity to say, so what have I learned um, and um, how am I going to use that? Because it's also just thinking of the things that you just mentioned, some of those sort of world-changing global events, um, it's important to also look at some of those changes that we made um, or some of those things that we did, and determine whether or not we built a wall or a bridge, mm. whether mm -hmm. we created something that um, protects us or cares for us, whether we whether we did something that um, builds or or breaks down, right? I mean, mm -hmm. or 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 um, disconnects us from others. Yeah, I think the um, key word there you you just said there needs to be an opportunity. And yeah. I think there is, there's an opportunity, but it's up to us to take to it, yeah. take that opportunity. Just like and a perfect example, I think from my own experience through Lent and through just the whole pandemic is I've, I feel like I've been in a season of um, reflecting on and working on relationships and family relationships, relationships that are important. And when something happens in a relationship that matters to me, um, it's not always been my natural tendency in the past to lean into that and, and work at healing or work at resolution or work at the relationship building that, that, that is there in that opportunity. And so when, when we have that opportunity, like I love that you said a bridge or a wall, you can, you can turn away from it and, and subconsciously decide, you know, never again, I'm, ne I'm not going to let... Um, this happened ever again, or I'm not going to talk about that again, or you can lean in and say, okay, a fight has happened or a disagreement has happened, or there's been some kind of tension. And I'm going to use that as an opportunity, as an in, as an opening to work on that with that person. 
and then that relationship relationship ends right. up growing and yeah. being strengthened through the difficult work of sometimes it's an argument or a fight sometimes it's you know if you can if once you've had the growth to be able to do it without it being necessarily a fight but it's still hard or yeah. you still have to you know go through the painful part of uh addressing something some impact that you had on another person without wanting to or meaning to and, and instead of just not talking about it taking that opportunity yeah. and saying let's let's talk about this let's work on that there's uh yeah it's it's very complex and there is no doubt that there are times when space is required um because that's it's about relationship means there's more than one party mm -hmm. involved right mm -hmm. um that's also the thing about covenants is that there's more than one party involved um and it requires the parties to actually be on the same uh in and in, in the in sort of in the, the the same playing field the same frame the same uh same sort of approach right um, because it's, it's obviously, it's, it's hard to work on something with somebody who doesn't want to work on it with you. Right. I mean, obviously, I mean, that, that goes without saying, um, so it's, it's way more complex than simply saying, um, we can, we can do this because the, the point is, the point isn't that, isn't that we can, uh, or the point isn't that we all should, or we're going to, or, you know, all that kind of, the point is the opportunity is there. And, and if we have the opportunity, um, we need to determine whether or not we're going to take that opportunity. Are we going to take it right now? Are we going to wait for, on this for a while? Are we going to do this? Are we gonna... It's the opportunity is there. And that's the thing about, uh, that's the thing about opportunity and hope, I think are connected. I, I, I truly, um, you know, we have, we have hope, um, but, but in that hope, we need to recognize that something is an opportunity, not just a, a, like a challenge or something to be avoided or, you know, to get away from, to defend ourselves from, but to see it as an opportunity. Um, and, and there are, uh, we are, we are, we are constantly faced with that dilemma, right? Is of determine whether something's an opportunity or whether it's, it's, uh, just a, a challenge that needs to be overcome. Uh, it's a, it's um, something we want to defend ourselves from. That's the thing about some of the things, those global events that you mentioned yeah. um, led to essentially increased security, right? How do I protect myself? Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that's necessarily by itself a bad thing. I'm just saying that there's a difference between how do I protect myself and how do I care? for my, not just myself, but for others. Like, am I concerned about how in protecting myself, how is this going to impact others? Am I taking that into consideration? Right. Um, I, and, and I think part of it is that being able to see, um, see opportunity because we have hope, um, rather than simply, um, you know, and is, this isn't ever going to be over, is it? It's just not ever going to be. Uh, it <laughs> instead, instead we we are able to have some vision too. That is also part of hope, right? Is that you can envision things being different. It may not, of course, turn out exactly the way you envisioned it, um, but the journey to that is going to tell you the value, 
mm. right? Um, a- a- anyway, so it, it, I just that that's a that's a thing about and as we're coming to to the I'm going to say the end of Lent, knowing full well that I I don't think it actually does end. The season called Lent is going to end on the calendar, um, but that idea of us, um, you know, being able to see. Uh, the things that we're currently experiencing as part of this this pandemic and 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 how the world is right now, um, that there are opportunities to make things different, um, that we can envision something better, and and that better, by the way, especially in the context of the conversation we had earlier about covenants, that better doesn't mean what was was necessarily completely bad. It means we can do better. We can always do better, um, and and all of that is kind of wrapped up in this idea that we can we have hope, right? We have mm. hope for a better tomorrow, kind of thing. It sounds kind of trite to say that, um, but it is actually trite to say it. You have to be able to see um, that that there is cause for that, right? That there is mm-hmm. that there is that there is you can envision something. Yeah, and then you, uh, you really have to internalize that. And, and you have to that. be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be part of it. You can't just kind of say, well, I hope so-and-so changes that. You can't just, because that's, that's not hope. Thinking. That's yeah. wishful thinking. Hope is a really interesting word, and it, it makes... It's you, more of a certainty, at least well, as we understand as we understand it in, in um, you know, faith communities. Yeah. Hope isn't wishful thinking at all. Hope is the certain... Sort of knowing. inner knowledge, the inner feeling, the inner awareness, um, and and uh, that that's see that that actually connects right to that idea of the the new covenant being written on our hearts. Right, it's not about the actions we take, uh, just the actions we take. It's not about the stuff we do on the outside. It has to come from somewhere deeper. It has to come from what is at the center, the core of our being. Right. Uh, and uh, when we when we do live like that, um, we live the love that is us into the world. And I know that sounds great, <laughs> and it's hard as hell. Um, it it really oh, that's an interesting choice of words. Because but yes, it is. It it's it can be very difficult. It can be very uh, challenging. It can be. Uh, there can be a lot of obstacles. There can be a lot of walls to break down. There can be a lot. I'm trying to think of as many negative ways of saying that as I can before <laughs> I say the point is we have an opportunity for life, right? We have an opportunity for living. Um, and and that is constantly creative, right? Mm-hmm. We are constantly creating new moments of life. And that's what makes it worth it. That's, that's what makes it. Yeah. That's what makes it worthwhile. You, I'm glad that you brought all of, all of that up around hope, because I was going to say that earlier when you were talking about hope, what it brought to mind for me was um, exactly what you just shared that. And for me, it, it brings up memories of uh, us talking about hope during the season of like before Christmas, really. Right. Like one of the, the Sunday of hope. And over the last mm-hmm. for years, you've talked about how, especially at that time leading up into Christmas, that uh, hope is this idea of not wishful thinking, but of, of certainty. And then I was thinking too about in this conversation today, we've talked about how um, with, with every opportunity, 
there is also still that element of uncertainty, that element of risk, that element of threat or danger that we were just talking about. And so it's, it can look on the surface to be a difficult thing to, to integrate those two ideas of, well, mm-hmm. how do you have uh, the, that kind of hope that you're talking about that, that is just a knowing, that is this certainty, when you also have to reconcile that there are undeniable risks and threats that are very yeah. real, that awful things can happen to, to great people uh, at any time, that any one of us could could uh, catch this awful virus and and lose our life or or have our lives impacted negatively there's there's all kinds of risks that are integrated into those opportunities mm-hmm. and i guess i mean that's obviously just what faith is about right that living your life of faith or a journey of faith is about balancing those those risks and those dangers and those threats with that knowing, that deeper knowing that that you're not alone, that God's with you, that you're loved, that things are going to be okay, that uh, tomorrow, that there is hope for tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, and and because it's hard, that's where faith is required. That it's not just an easy thing to believe, uh, to have hope and believe that there's just this guarantee that things are going to be wonderful. Because we do live in an uncertain yeah, world. For sure. And, and yeah, and of course, part of that just is, yeah, hope, hope that things are going to be wonderful. It's, it's so, uh, people, I, so many people have a tendency to see the Bible uh, in particular as, um, you know, we're supposed to learn from the Bible how to live a life that will get us into heaven. It does not say that anywhere in the Bible. <laughs> it honestly does not. In fact, uh, I'm trying to think of who said this now, but I just recently. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. It wasn't me, but I would totally say this um, because I just saw this recently. Uh, somebody saying that the thing about the Bible isn't is that it's not an instruction guide for how we should behave in order to get into heaven. It's about life now it's about making heaven here right mm. it's about it's about how we should live together in this life it's not it's not what we need to do in order to get us something better which is heaven right um and because that's not what heaven is and 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 we we, we have this we have this uh yeah we it, it's so it's so interesting to hear people particularly in church people talking about uh hope and things like um, yeah, don't worry. It'll be, it's like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine without acknowledging that there is risk. There is challenge. There is a lot of things that get in the way. Um, and, and particularly right now, there's a lot of people I'm sure I can't imagine that there isn't. In fact, we all will have this experience at some point, um, especially over the last, the past year of how, how are we supposed to find hope in this? Like, like where, where is the hope? Like there's so much, it's so easy to, um, it's so easy to get lost, uh, in, in, um, the loss, right. In the grief, um, in what's been taken away, brokenness, Mm -hmm. um, not just of the things that have been, um, taken away, but, but, um, the result of that is that we start to feel like, what's the point like how do i go on living now and and uh, and 
so sometimes I think sometimes when, especially when ministers, people in the church start talking about hope, it can sound like a really trite response to that. Um, and and if if I uh, there are moments. Well, I'm going to say there are there are moments where I kind of think I, I'm there. Like I I can't I can't say anything about hope right now because I'm not buying that. I'm I just I'm not there um, because I know every and I know everyone will have moments like that. Um, and there the thing is there there are people who will have moments like that, and there are people who have very 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 long moments like that. And, and there are certainly also, um, of course there are, um, there are many other factors. It's not just a spiritual thing, right? There are mental health issues. There are so many issues around that. Um, and so it would be then of course, then really easy to say, stop talking about hope. Nobody wants to hear that crap. (laughs) The, The thing is though, actually that is the very thing that that to me proves what we were just saying about hope. It needs work. You need to be engaged in de- addressing those challenges. You need to be prepared uh, to to help people who have mental health issues. You need to be prepared to reach out to people that that are grieving and are feeling broken. You, even if you are too. You need to be prepared to connect with others mm-hmm. because it's in connecting with each other um, that we see the value of connection, which is the value of life, which is the value of, of, of creating the next moment of life, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the hope right yeah. there. Um, it is, there, there's no point in saying it's an easy thing, this hope business, you know, it's pretty easy. Um, because it's not, you can't just say, Oh, cheer up you'll, and have some hope. That's not how it works. No, it's, it actually is work is the thing. Yeah. Like <laughs> this image just popped into my head as you're talking. If you're like on a ship and it has a leak and it's filling up with water, hope is not standing at the bow of the boat, looking up at the clouds and just saying, Oh God, save me. I have hope that everything's going to be fine. Hope sometimes is grabbing a bucket and starting to bail out the water so that you will be fine. It's doing the work. And, and while you're bailing thinking, you know what, I just trust that this is going to work out that, that this, uh, that I'll be able to bail the water fast enough to keep up with the leak and we'll get back to dry land or that help is going to arrive or that if we all work together and every one of us grabs a bucket, then we'll, we can do this together. Like hope is, um, involves action. Like we've been talking about that. It's, it's not about sticking our head in the sand and just waiting for it to be over. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine the, and this is a, so the, the context of the new covenant thing is Jeremiah, right? Where Jeremiah uh, speaking for, for, on behalf of God says, the days are surely coming when I will write my new covenant on the hearts of the people, right? The days are, and, and even says, even says, um, I will be known to them in such a way that we will know each other and you won't need, in fact, it even says you won't need to be taught how to do it. You won't need to, to have somebody, you won't need to have ministers. You won't need to have anybody like that because you will simply know. And, and uh, that's awesome. And, and I can just imagine some of the people hearing Jeremiah say that and them going, so will that be tomorrow? 
a week from Tuesday. Um, is that going to be soon? Is that going to be? And then, of course, as it isn't necessarily right away, when, like, at what point do you go, oh, that was just another, Jeremiah's just full of it. Obviously, nothing's going to change. At what point do you realize you have to have a part in it? That's what makes it a covenant, right? Is we have a part in it. And we need to be part of bringing that day, right? And so it, when, we, when we talk about hope, um, you know, the days are surely coming. And as we travel through the days to get there, we will need to do the work to get there. Hmm. It's the journey uh, as much as you, you can't just kind of go, this is what's going to happen. I'm just going to wait for it to happen. You have to be part of, 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 of doing it. Um, that is so hard for people, um, when they feel like I, I can't do anything that is so hard for people who feel like no matter what I do, it does make a difference. Um, and th that's again, though, <coughs> excuse me, that again, um, can't believe I was about to choke on the word community. Um, <laughs> but so many people do, uh, but that, that is why we need community. It's not just a question of a covenant to create it. Um, we need to, to be able to have it in order to build it more, right? It's, it's not just somewhere to get to. It's a place to start. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and one of the things about the pandemic <coughs> is I hope that people have seen the moments that have shown us how valuable community is and that we will learn from those moments and take them forward. Not the moments where we went, no, I'm not helping that person or I'm going to protect myself rather than care for that person. But the moments where we didn't just hunker down and wait for it to be over, but the moments when we reached out and tried to connect with people and not just to support them, but to seek support and care for ourselves too. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, that we, we all have a part in that. And there are some incredible stories that we that we've seen uh, and and heard over the last year of people and companies and governments doing really generous and selfless acts of donating personal protective equipment or masks or things or mm -hmm. people delivering meals to show their appreciation. Like there, I think that it's interesting how. Um, we've had this year long season of Lent to have a quieter, slower pace of life where we are more reflective and we're moving less. We're, we're at home. A lot of us are working from home. Um, and we're, and so by no choice of our own, we've been put in this situation where we are kind of reintegrating ourselves into being a community again even though we're not able to gather at community halls and have giant festivals and events and big weddings and funerals, we are, find, we are finding our place in our communities again in a new way. I love, the, I, I love that you use the word pace. Because I was just saying, as you said it, I was saying, that's, you know, check your pace. Your, your life pace, the pace of your life, right? Because I, I think it's also true that um, when we can do so much and be together so often, that doesn't necessarily generate community. 
we can be we can be doing too much um, activity mm. and focusing on the activity rather than the connection. And yeah, the the being able to being able to look at it differently and v- sort of reconsider the value of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, not just you know how can I keep how can I keep busy, but yeah. how am I connecting with people? Um, because it's it's a balance, right? It's it's great to have all sorts of things to do. It's great to be able to do all sorts of things in person. But is it what you're doing, or is it the value of the connection? Like, what are you what yeah. are you getting out of it? Is busyness it just filling time? Is, yeah, busyness is because busyness is not the same thing. You know, uh, just a few weeks ago, Elise, our daughter, who's eight. Uh, I don't remember the context of what we were talking about when she said this. It was something to do with the pandemic. And she said, I'm grateful for COVID because we've gotten closer as a family. Mm. And we've, we've, it's not the first time, her saying that was not the first time that we've had conversation about that, about how, you know, this different pace, this slower, slower pace, not leaving town two, three times a week to, to go and do different activities because everything's shut down and canceled, um, it was so hard to adjust to. But then we, like a lot of people, started realizing that, hey, we're able to have, or we have that opportunity to have more connection. There's more mm-hmm. time together. There's more downtime. There's more sitting on the couch and just tickling the kids and laughing and playing and or going outside for a walk and and doing the simple things that are sometimes... I find it a little bit easier to connect over than the big things and the mm-hmm. complicated things or the busy things. It's definitely um, a key. A key here is balance for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes uh, the imbalance has become. I think sometimes the imbalance has become so great. You need to create an imbalance the other way in order to realize that where your balance actually is. Right. You have to kind of rock the boat right? in order to find that new, uh, yeah. that new balance. Yeah. And, and I just, and even, even if you're not finding, even if you're not finding the new balance, at least the opportunity to be aware of what the value is, right. To like, like, like we just said, busyness is not the same. Um, and, and being able to find, um, that, um, and, and it's elusive for sure. But, but, um, generally if we're working towards finding that sort of sweet spot where there's a balance, Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's where we're finding the, um, um, the, the real sort of the life that's well lived. Right. Yeah. Well, hey, one of the great benefits to a slower pace is that people might maybe have an easier time fitting in listening to an hour-long podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I think we're kind of getting to that point. Might where... have might have a little more difficulty staying awake all the way through, but yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. But we are coming up to uh, almost an hour here, so maybe we'll wrap it up. But, um, oh man, so many good points and so much to think about. I think that... Um, yeah, I guess so two weeks from now is going to be our next episode and that, that's going to be Good Friday. So we are at the end of this Lent journey in terms of mm-hmm. this podcast following uh, following that story. Um, and our, our guest two weeks from now is going to be my uncle Brady Wilson, who is a fantastic storyteller and has some, some great stories that we'll, uh, that he'll, I'll ask him to share. 
Um, so I'm, I'm looking really forward to that. I'm, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but I'm really grateful for this conversation today, Robin. This was fun. Me too. Thanks. Also, um, congratulations on completing, well, almost at the end of your covenant of sharing a photo a day throughout your journey of Lent. Uh, I'm sure that your pictures and your stories each day have inspired people who've been following along with that, with your Lent journey and causing other people to think about their own Lent journey just through these 40 days, but also this whole year-long pandemic of Lent that we've, that we've been going through. For sure. Uh, also, if anyone listening has not uh, been joining us for church on Sunday mornings the last little while, uh, Robin, your sermons throughout Lent and through this theme of covenant have been really exceptional. And uh, you can find those on our website at risingspiritministry.com. Also, a shout out again to the Naked Pastor from our last episode. Uh, David Hayward has some fantastic uh, cartoons and coffee mugs and t-shirts and all kinds of stuff that um, people should definitely check out and maybe purchase. And his website is nakedpastor.com. Um, again, our website, risingspiritministry.com for Robin's weekly sermon and blog and our twice a month podcast episodes are all posted there as well. And you can also find our live stream. Uh, we go live at 10.30 a.m. Alberta time every Sunday from either Pinocchio or Basha United Church. So check us out, join us for church if you're interested in that. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for joining Robin and I in this conversation, and we hope you join us again soon. Until then, take care and be well.